guess what? No, I played a trick. We're already recording. Dr. Miller. <laughs> you know what? That actually may have alleviated some of my stress surrounding the 54321 because the countdown that visual countdown will It's the visual get countdown. Ya, right? Yeah. Ooh, it'll get you. On today's episode, <laughs> we are learning how one of us can be the host and the other one can be the guest and we're not doing a great job. I would say not a hole in one, not a grand slam, no no points on the board. But we did have a great conversation about psychological safety. And oh what my did goodness. we create for the community, the, we, Dr. We Johnson? We are talking about the idea of psychological safety, defining it, understanding really what it is and what it isn't. But we have created a model to embrace creating space with your team for psychological safety and really focusing on it. And, you know, it's it's one of those wonderful models where we we keep it as a pocket strategy. You'll remember the word and what goes with it, and you'll be able to apply it at any given moment. Good, good day. day. Exciting episode today. I'm very excited about this one. Very excited about this one. And I believe I am hosting today. So I'll share the title. We are going to talk a little bit about psychological it. safety. Buzz, it, it is a term that is buzzing right now out there. How to create it. What, what exactly does it mean? All those things, right? And like we do most of our things for our community, we're going to tell you a little bit about what is out there as far as the buzz and what is typically being talked about, and then hopefully find some applicable ways that you may be able to use it or create it or identify where you're missing some of the attributes in your own it. team. And, and really, as we were prepping for this one, you helped me to kind of reframe the way I was thinking about it in that it's not just this one and done activity, but really it, it, there's a, it's, it's a, a path maybe, or, or a process, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. I love that. Thank you for adding that. I nice. believe we yes. called it yes, a journey. Yes, that is what you said, a journey. I like. Shall we start with the definition yes. from um, the Googler? Yes, yes, yes. I would like to, I'm sorry, this, would this you like to read it or hosting I? piece, the way we're, we're doing our approach is I, you may have to cue me a lot. There may be a lot of opportunity for editing. So I will be sure that you're, ass <laughs> you're assuming I know when to cue. I mean, what does a host do? I don't really know. Yes, you do. Just, it's all good. So, so yes, yes, we, um, and in the definition of psychological safety, when, when we were researching, this is something that is related to a feeling amongst team members that they can answer questions, bring information to the team with candor, with honesty, with the ability to really not have to insulate someone or sugarcoat something, um, but with integrity and with tact, bring forward their ideas, their concerns, their um, questions, maybe even admit to an opportunity for growth. And what I mean, what I mean by that really is being able to say, I don't know. 
but I can figure that out, right? Um, I think you also, as we were talking, pointed out the ability to admit your mistakes, to take ownership of something without fear of negative consequences or any kind of social retribution, like really being comfortable in the space um, that you you can. I, and I loved the word candor and candid. I think that was something that came up when we looked it up, right? Yes, it was. It's a felt permission for candor is something that we found on the trusted source Which of I still Harvard think we Business would Review. accept if they wanted to offer a sponsorship, Harvard Business Review, um, that we would we would accept that if they if they would like to offer that. Just putting that out into the world, Harvard Business Review. Yeah. At minimum, I think we need hoodies at this point for as as many times as we have. I absolutely agree. <laughs> They're getting like free advertising at this point. So a hoodie is, it, it, I mean, that's the least they could do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is. Let's talk a little about what it is not. What psychological safety is not is the openness to share every thought opinion that flows into your brain at whatever time you feel appropriate. That is what it is not. So we want to be super clear that within formulating teams of psychological safety, there are still political boundaries. There are still socially appropriate times and measures, ownership and accountability that all need to play in to this you know, buzzword of psychologically safe environments. I'm eternally grateful to you for pointing that out to everyone and for helping me pin it like on the task bar of my computer, right? Like really make sure that that's, that's the piece because I know I have expressed to you that I think as we've been talking about psychological safety in our own experience and as we've been hearing that you know other people are beginning to speak about this sometimes there's the idea that creating a space of psychological safety means that people can say whatever they want to when they want to in the fashion that they want to like in the style that they want to communicate and no no that's that's it we're still in a professional space. We're still in a space where we're working together as a team and we are in a business space. So this isn't about, you know, venting. It's, it's, it's not that kind of a, it's, it's not creating a space where people feel like they can just say whatever they want to. And, and I'm, I'm grateful that we're defining it as it's becoming more popular. Yes. And so I think one of the things that you said that I thought was really funny while we were prepping crying in the bathroom cannot become <laughs> crying in the boardroom. And that is a direct quote from Dr. Yes, Johnston, it is. folks. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you have to cry, or that's my rule. My rule for me is if I need a minute to get myself together, there might be a, a visit to the bathroom to take that time. There might have been a time when I, I found myself crying in the bathroom, but we're not bringing that into the boardroom. Exactly. It's, it's not creating that space for psychological safety doesn't mean that now you can display your emotions in a way that's inappropriate. You still have to use emotional intelligence. You still have to have self-awareness. You still have to understand how your emotions and your um, input affects the team, right? And, and affects the, the business. So yes, no, no, no crying in the, in the bathroom can come out into the boardroom. No crying in the boardroom. So 
with psychological safety, and I think we also talked about how there's a two-way street, right? So it's creating an arena for individuals to come forward with mistakes or ideas or thoughts about what is currently happening within the team. It's also allowing the leader an opportunity to really gain an understanding of the opinions of the individuals they support that I think is invaluable. So the risk of not creating an environment that allows candor, professional candor, we'll call it, is the conversations are happening anyway. It's just you are not a part of it. PC, professional candor. PC. You have to be politically correct, right? In in your social environments and your, your we call that being PC, but in the professional world in your career, PC equals professional candor. I wish that everyone could see my face right now. Hopefully they can hear it in my voice. When you said that, I'm so it's excited. Very excited. <laughs> when you said that, <laughs> yes. I, we, we need ding, our, ding, we ding. buzzers again from the other episodes because that was amazing. Oh my yes. gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, I got really PC. Professional candor. A professional candor. Loving it. And no, go. I'm sorry. Shall we share the well, um, that, filter analogy? Yes. And some of the stories. Yes. Can I can I start with that one because because I'm gonna I'm just gonna do. share exactly Please what I do. shared with you earlier, which is um I had I had some relationships with specifically one person that I'm thinking of in um in in my I want to say in my current role, but we no longer interact. So our relationship very much changed. Um, and and this person has gone on to wonderful things. But um I there were several times where I had to call my work bestie, which as our audience knows is is you, JBM, calling Dr. Miller, um, because I was emotionally charged about some of the communications with this person. And I remember saying to you specifically, I have said this same statement to this person five times and they have not changed their behavior. And you very lovingly in your way said, repeat to me what you're saying to this person. And I'm starting to laugh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm starting to laugh because I said the statement and I said it with conviction. And I was like, this is what I've said five times. And you very lovingly and with probably a little giggle in your voice, we're like, well, yeah, that's not, I'm, I'm not picking up the message from that you're intending from what you're saying. I was sugarcoating it too much. I was trying to make it too nice and too, you know, presentable. And I wasn't being direct. And I, I think that at that point in our relationship is when you introduced me to that statement of clear as kind that you had, you know, you had taken away from a, I think a Brene Brown training or book, clear as kind, I love. And this idea of, you know, you don't have to sugarcoat it. You candor is being honest, but with tact and, and these filters that we have, right? We, we want to filter things through a level of, of kindness and respect because we're on a team, but it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be clogging the filter. And and then there was this brilliant moment where you said, if we're going to use the filter analogy, I'm more of a Brita filter. We've got limited filter, less words, just say what needs to be said. And JJ's more of a pool filter. We've got a lot happening there. 
I, I have to say what I said. I totally agreed. I'm all, oh my, yes, yes, I agree. And then I also said, and, you know, pool filters get clogged a lot too, because they're not so, they, there's not as much moving yeah. through them. I love that analogy. A Brita filter versus the pool. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I am. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you are I getting am. better. You've had a good you're influence, Miller. Good influence. <laughs> Okay, it depends on the audience that would agree with that, but it's it's true, and I think in the sense that people, when it's exhausting yeah. to read between the lines all the time, it really is. And some people, whether they are able to do it or not able to do it, it leaves this yes. lingering question mark, which is, I think, in my opinion, what prohibits psychological safety because they're unable to read how that was received. So if you can just verbalize. I understand or even give permission. I would like to hear mm -hmm. your candid opinion on X. And that first time that you may do that, you may True. not get exactly what you're looking for. And then you may need to revisit it again when another something or episode or scenario comes up and you can say, sometimes I just say, I am not picking up what you're putting down. I'm going to need it to be a little bit more direct. Just what is it that is the problem? <laughs> is there a question embedded in there or is this just a conversation? I'm like, laughing because what do you I've need? been on the receiving end of that comment. So it just, it just really reinforces the Brita filter versus the pool filter. <laughs> Land the plane. What, just what do you need? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm dying. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, but it's, it's, yes. Yes. I mean, it's a balance, right? And you have to know your audience. And that's why we're saying it's a journey. And I don't know that you're at the same place in your journey with every person on your team. And I don't know that your team stays in the same um, marker on that journey indefinitely. There's no fixed in time narrative with this. I think it ebbs and flows based on the culture of the organization and the times. There may be times in your organization when the budgets are tighter, tensions are high. Unfortunately, we love you and your opinions, but we just need to really put our heads down and there are certain things that need to be done right now. So I'll, I will come back to you. I, in my opinion, what do I you think? think? I think I would stay open to that for sure. And yes, I think it's flexibility. I think you, you have to read, you said it beautifully, you have to know your audience and, and really read the situation. I do believe very strongly in there being some boundaries, some in, in setting the tone with your team for professional candor and the being PC, I, I do think that we want to, and, and I think we're getting into this in, in just a minute, but there, there has to be some norms that are, are established that we aren't allowing people to derail a conversation with what they are perceiving as sharing something with professional candor that really is more opinionated, that really is more their opinion of something. I think that the ability to share when, when a process is not efficient and you have maybe a key that could make it more efficient, something to that effect, maybe, maybe if it is a, a feeling that's, that's started to impede the work. Maybe people are feeling overwhelmed and we need more resources. That's acceptable to share as well. It's the way in which you state that, that, like you said, 
for me, I can't sugarcoat it too much because then I'm I'm not being clear and I'm also not giving a clear expectation. So I, I work on that constantly. But I also think that people can be too emotional about something and opinionated about something to where it comes across as really negative. And and I shared with you that in meetings, that's kind of when I shut things down as far as, you know, maybe taking it back or reframing it into something different because I don't want that negative stuff to stick. So I think those boundaries are, are important. You can't let it stick. And I would encourage anyone who is navigating a group scenario, I think two thoughts. If you're questioning, if you can share something, then the best rule of thumb is do it during a one-to-one with your leader privately. Without a doubt. Way too risky to play with this in a group setting because as the leader and as somebody that's standing up and, and talking or doing whatever needs to be done, it's already vulnerable. It's already uncomfortable. You need to just respect that space. So if you're going to say something that's even leaning towards unsupportive of the narrative, then I think that's a one-to-one space. If it if it is negative, I don't think that's appropriate. I think that when you're talking about candor and professional candor, best place to start is a one-to-one unless it's a very small trusted group. The scenario I think you were sharing, how oh, many wow. people were in there that room? There were like room? 45 plus people in the room um, when, yeah, I, I yeah, there was an individual oof. that was on my team and a very talented individual. And, you know, I'm, I enjoy interacting with people in a fun and funny way. And sometimes that's cheesy. Like sometimes I'm, I'm cheesy. I'll make up, I'll make silly puns, whatever that may be. And you know, this person just wasn't in the mood for it that day and kind of made a, a comment about something I had asked them to do in their one-to-ones. I had asked them to kind of talk about how what they're doing connects to their values. And um, then I wanted to hear how they were feeling about it. And this this individual, you know, she said that it, it made her feel cheesy. And um, while I appreciate that, there's a, a very specific reason that we were doing that at the time and connecting to our values. And so I, I kind of shut it down pretty quickly that, you know, I understand. I want to make you more comfortable. Let's change the order. But it, it was it was very uncomfortable because you could kind of feel the air get sucked out of the room, you know, when when she said it. So um, it there's honesty and truth in everything that people say on some level. And I don't want people to feel uncomfortable with what I'm asking them to do. But at the same time, I wanted to help her understand. And that may be something you want to cut out of this episode or we want to cut out of this episode. I don't know. But um, it was a very real application of this. She spoke um, from a place of honesty for her feelings about it, which I appreciate. But at the same time, the process um, and how we were doing it is really kind of what we were evaluating. And uh, it would have been a better place to come to me in her one-to-one and just tell me you know, this doesn't feel authentic. It feels cheesy. Then we could have had a talk about how to make it better for everyone. And did it really move the narrative forward that day? No, it's not, it's not helpful or helping or kind. So there was really no reason to say it. It wasn't as if, and again, to kind of go back to the original point to say, I've made a mistake in a situation. I feel safe that I can make an error and know that there's support for that error is much different than feeling like you have the ability to put down an activity that somebody has put time and 
they they're in that position because they have the skills and somebody has said you have the talent for this it's really not anybody else's place in a subordinate position to challenge yes. that, especially in a group I'm, of 45 people. And we've told That's our listeners not okay. that I am not easily embarrassed. And so I will say that it felt slightly like I was being ridiculed in front of my entire team. And it didn't make me embarrassed as much as it made me feel angry, which means I felt hurt. It hurt my feelings, right? And so, yes, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It was it was an, a good example of the opinionated emotional expression versus professional candor. It's, it's, I think it's a really good example of that. For our model for the community, um, based on the journey and that metaphor, we have come up with an acronym that will, um, the word is CLIMB. So Dr. Johnston, would you like I to start us off with to. C? I would love to. So C. C has a, a, a double entendre to it, right? Because we mm. we want to be candid and we want to be truthful. But also, you know, this is like a, a cringe mountain area. And I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so much. Because you, Dr. Miller, you <laughs> talked earlier just about how as a leader, we are working to create this space. So we put ourselves out there in in a vulnerable fashion, right? We we are vulnerable when we are asking for feedback or information or how can I make this better kind of a thing. Just like we were talking about in my example, I was vulnerable in that moment and it felt cringy to to be vulnerable. So that cringe mountain piece, that feeling of discomfort may be as we're opening the space for candidness or for candor to be used, right? So we, we want the truth. We want people to be candid. Watch out for Cringe Mountain. But it's not a steep mountain, right? It's a, it's a quick, it's a jaunt, it's a hill. And it happens and it gets better, I think, right? Cringe Mountain is going to shrink over time with this particular skill, with being candid and accepting messages and being able to navigate conversations, explaining why you're doing something. I think that comes with confidence and and really believing in your why. So I agree. Cringe mountain. And just so everyone knows, this whole podcast is a big giant (laughs) cringe mountain. So (laughs) it's, it takes a lot to, you know, put yourself out there and hit publish. And it's a practice that, that we think all, you know, helps with all the cringe mountains. There's many cringe mountains. So our C, we're going to go with candid, but beware of the, of the cringe mountain. The L, localization of standards. This is my, my favorite one because this is localization of standards. We're referring to the standards of the team and the idea that we should have behavior norms. We should have agreed upon ways in which we we work with one another, we speak with one another, and that really a social contract that is there about how we interact. So outlining localization of our standards, outlining our behavioral norms. Anything, JBM? Within our community. Within our community, right? Within our community. Tell me what you think about this. I think behavior norms really need to be set in any work group, in any group that's coming together to do 
team work. Um, I, I think it's just, it's nice to outline those things. They can be fluid. They can change over time, but behavioral norms, how we speak, how we speak to one another, how we treat each other with respect, how we show up. I think that's important. Do you think it should be outlined like that in, in most situations, or do you think people just pick up on it? No, I think you're correct, but I think I prefer community norms and I don't really like this whole like no, idea no. of meeting rules. I think yeah. we're adults, we're professionals. I think that's yeah. a bit condescending. So prefer the norms. And I just have to say though, if it's your work group, is there some kind of like video on well, norm? Because here that we're it with? would be a community norm and your, your people mm -hmm. set the norms, right? I would throw that out there for consideration. I am going to say that. I would throw that. I would say, you know, one of the things I might like to see in our norms is that every time we come together, our cameras would be on. But everybody decides, right? And we, we do this by, by vote, majority rules. So it could get shut down. But I would be the little nerd in the corner that would be saying, I would like the cameras on. Yes. Yes, it's true. I love community norms. Okay. I heard a really good one the other day. I hope I haven't shared this one yet. Um, community of effort. Don't you love that? Ooh, In place of team, that's a good one. using community of effort. Because your team can be made up of so many different people. That's mm -hmm. another episode. I'm sorry. We're back to the climb. Are you ready? The C, candor. The mm -hmm. L, localization of standards with those community norms being put in place. The I, intuitive storytelling. I just love those words together. I think they sound so great. So understanding, like you said earlier, you know, about knowing your audience, this applies in knowing when to share information, when to maybe hang back a little bit and let others speak. Um, and this is really about connection and relationships, making sure that everyone is a part of the conversation who, who wants to be heard, but also not making the conversation about solely your experience, right? Intuitive storytelling rather than domination of sharing your experience. JVM, things to add there? Agree. I I agree. And I, because th I think if you think about your personal life, when somebody comes to you with something, or if you've ever gone to somebody and you, you're telling them a story and there's that person that's able to just listen and say, would you like advice? Or you're just asking me to hold space, that. right? That's a nice way to do it. In a work environment, it's similar in the sense of is this person in a space where if you tell them a past story of your leadership, it would make them feel better that you've made a similar mistake and then they feel not as othered because you've also been there? Or is it a scenario where it really does just need to be a space where you're listening? You may be able to ask or you just need to use your instincts and read the moment for what the individual needs. So that's what I think we mean by intuitive storytelling. And what story are you telling? Mm. You know, there's also those lines that careful mm. with blurring. Yes, yes. Those. Ooh, love that. Our M, mixed teams. This idea, listen, you have to speak to this because I just love one of the, the strategies that you use that helps your leaders to understand 
how you all work together and, and the different struggles or different successes that your teams are having. So I'm I'm going to be quiet, JBM. You got to take this one. Well, I will. We have one activity, but I'm not going to take credit. I'm going to absolutely give credit to the idea that was um, created by an awesome, talented team member um, that's a part of our community. Her name is Kelsey, and she is a listener. And she created a scenario where she wanted to swap supervisors in different centers so they could see the original idea was just to see what individuals are doing and how those teams are interacting and what we were able to do is really expand on that and use it for a leadership opportunity to build your leadership skills you're going into a team that may not know you as well utilizing a community builder that you've made to engage with that team coming away with it offering a suggestion offering a positive attribute that you've noticed looking at the clinical skills in those spaces. And to be honest, the individuals prior to doing it were not so into it. They were a little apprehensive. They're like, I don't know what this woo-woo witchy shit is. Like, why are we switching cringe people? Mountain. Let cringe me stay mountain. with what I know. And cringe mountain, exactly. And so they were able, there was a lot of success. They really enjoyed it. They recognized kind of why it was beneficial to see others. And what I think probably for me, what I've heard the biggest takeaway is, is because individuals share responsibilities for vacations, the clinicians were able to meet the individuals that support them during those times to hopefully create again, more connection nice. so that what we've noticed is people hold things in, right? They don't feel comfortable telling another leader. They'd rather just wait until their familiar leader comes back. But unfortunately, that creates a lot of problems. So it's allowing those connections to be made. So the word that really truly is found in some of the research and information is nice. called cross-pollination. And then in our model for for working with climates, gonna, we're going to call it mixed teams. But Definite shout out to Kelsey shout for that out. idea and, and all the team members for participating and supporting it and making it happen. And they would even play little tricks on each other. I it really turned out it. quite well. So we'll see what else you in know, that I, arena. I, but. I have to hype it up one more time and I and we maybe will even recap it a little later. This this opportunity that you all created and, and seized. Um, because you know, and I don't know that I've said this yet on on the podcast, I absolutely love and it has changed my life the idea of um appreciative appreciative inquiry i'm sorry i wanted to be sure that i articulated that my my speech pathologist friend um appropriately appreciative inquiry is that idea that you just said seeing something that's going so right and wanting to maybe recreate it in another location or with another team. And, and I think that what you guys did with this, what Kelsey thought of, and then what you all did to expand on that idea was just like the, just appreciative inquiry at its finest. You went in, you observed, you saw what's going right. You may have seen some areas of opportunity, but taking away from that, what, what was going well and what they were doing well and, and then recreating it. It's not just, it's not just yay, hooray for us, kumbaya kind of things. It's like, okay, you're doing this really well. How do we do this other places? So I love that. Okay. Thank you for letting me go off on that tangent. Feel free to edit that if you like. I'll count to two. I knocked over my drink. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, oh, no, I, oh, that, no, the lid stayed on. And I say, thank you to Stanley, the large tumblers. In case you don't cut this out, perhaps Perhaps this is they another drip. opportunity for a sponsorship. Stanley, 
cups during my podcast. I knocked it over, but it, it is, there's nothing on the carpet. Everything is great. Thank you, Stanley. And back to the podcast, back to our regularly scheduled <laughs> program here. We did the C, candor, L, localization of standards, behavior norms, community norms. We like that. Um, I, sorry, I can spell, intuitive storytelling, M, mixed teams. Loving that. And finally, our B for climb, broadening the definition of failure and success. Oof so good. That idea of broadening our, our definitions and our, maybe even our perspectives about failure and success really comes from a learning perspective. If you execute, execute, if you execute something to perfection, there's not a lot of opportunity to grow and learn. When you have made a mistake, and you feel safe to say, I made a mistake, I need to fix it, or I have ideas on how to fix it, here's how we fixed it, then you can go back in and dissect that for learning and help turn that into a success for the future and for those who are, are in your community right now. So I really think this idea of redefining how we think about failure and success is is really, really important. I don't know. What what are your thoughts? This is my favorite one. I actually just kind of got a little bit of goosebumps. I think this is so important, especially if you're leading leaders, to really work on reframing and broadening the definition of success and failure and and don't hold on too tight to either one. There's always that next yes. thing that's going to come, right? So if it's a success today, but then that leads to somebody submitted the wrong form and then a bad conversation happened and then a failure pops up and then that turns into a success. And it's just this continuous rolling of, of both and trying new things and what works and what doesn't. So the more that you can create a psychologically safe environment that allows for discussion and analysis of what has been tried to adapt and try something different that will work for that team, the more that you will get from the leaders in the ability and the willingness to be vulnerable and try new things with their team. So this is my favorite one. That was a mic drop moment right there. You just like, you just said everything. That was mic drop, boom. Moving on. A little mini TED talk. It's really important because if people... I don't know. It's it's yeah. hard. It's hard. Leader, being a leader is hard. Yes. And there are bad days and there are good days. So you really have to try to reframe all of it into I actually we just had a conversation with a colleague who was struggling with um, individuals giving her mm. things that they couldn't handle. And so she was feeling a bit overwhelmed because she was now handling more things. And I was encouraging her to think about each time somebody brings her something, think about how she can empower them or what needs to be trained so that they are able to carry things forward more for independence. And the analogy I gave for that was if you're learning to swim and you're trying to get from the shallow end to the deep end and you're a small child and you have the floaties on and your mom comes over and they bring you to the end, that's not the goal. The goal is that you can swim yourself, and that's everyone's goal. So as a leader, create that environment so that they can get to the other side so that you don't have to be there. 
you lessen the resentment, they gain the empowerment. Everybody sings Kumbaya. And that's what I, I want. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's what we all want, isn't it? I love that. That is so good. Broadening the definition. I'm just going to recap the climb one more time really quickly because I think so many wonderful things came out of what we just talked about that, that ex expounded on all of the ideas. So climb again, C for candid, truthful, but also watch out for the cringe mountain, right? We want our, our people to remember that. L, localization of standards. This is our community norms. I, intuitive storytelling. Know when to share and when maybe to hold back and listen. M, mixed teams. Look for those opportunities to understand what's going on with others in your teams what's working, what's not working, and build out that relationship so you can share with one another. And broadening the definitions, that's B, broadening the definitions of failure and success. And I, I just, looking at, at failure as opportunity, right? Opportunity to empower and to help teach and to maybe even discover new and innovative ways to do things. I love it. We have an ask. Sorry. I was sorry. just going to say that. You're psychic. No, it's amazing. So our ask Ooh, is, our ask is to begin to take stock of, of where you're at on this journey, right? Um, where you're at on the journey of your team understanding and building with them psychological safety. That's right. So if you can just do one thing and uh, maybe even say, am I in the same place with all of my team members? Or is there one team member who is having more difficulty opening up to me and being candid about their feelings or excuse me, not feelings, but things that may advance. <laughs> I don't want Dr. Johnson doesn't know really want, which is interesting because <laughs> she likes to talk about feelings quite a bit. But in this scenario, yes. she'd like you to cry in the bathroom and out the boardroom. You can be mixed messages with this. You like to everyone to feel good, but only when she yes, says time. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope that you found that helpful and um, we will look forward to talking Thank to you, you next week. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and please visit our website for resources at theproject-biglove.com. Be sure to like, share, rate, and leave a positive review. And if you don't have anything positive, no worries, you can skip that part. As always, questions and stories to share are welcome at theproject.biglove at gmail.com. Now for our legal disclaimer from Dr. Johnston. Best practice for change management is to be sure all parties are informed. Please be sure you discuss with your leaders or supervisors any ideas from our podcast today that you might like to use in your organization before implementing.